Good morning, church family. Good morning, both here and at home. It's good to see you. Our scripture for today comes from Luke chapter 4, and we're starting at verse 14. I'll give you a moment to locate it in your Bibles, but that's Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 14. And when you have it, wherever you are, you can please read with me. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the doing of his word. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Sister Valerie. Amen. God is good. Uh, amen. And his mercy endures forever. We are grateful for this day and this time of worship. Amen. This time of giving God praise and glory. Um, uh, truly, it's an honor uh, to be with you this morning. Amen. Amen. Even in this difficult time, it's good to give God praise. There's um, opportunity in this time. Amen. Uh, sometimes in the dark time, mo almost all the time, I'm sorry, forget that all the time in the dark time, it's an opportunity to spread God's light. Amen. Amen. And so we give God praise today. Can we uh, bow our heads in a word of prayer? Uh, dear God, we're thankful for this day and this worship experience, and we're thankful for the opportunity to come and to lift your name on high. You are our guide, Holy Spirit. You are our lead. You are our paracletus. You walk para. You walk beside us, parallel to us. Cletus, you call our name and you lead us in this world. Help us to be led by your spirit, you Holy Spirit, so that we may be called the children of God. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you repeat after me? Dear white people. Say it again. Dear white people. Amen. All right. Have a seat. Amen. Amen. We are in the book 
of Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And Sister Valerie read that for us. Amen. We praise God for Sister Valerie and the reading, public reading of the word and virtually public. Amen. Reading of the word. Uh, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, and this is the gospel. Uh, I call this uh, scripture, it is my favorite scripture in all of scripture, and I call it the great mission. It's the great mission. People call Matthew 28 uh, and, uh, the great commission. Go in all the world, make disciples. Jesus said, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, behold it. Look at here, look at here, translation, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That's the great commission. Well, I call this the great mission. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach. Amen. The gospel to the poor. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah. Uh, the great mission. Um, Luke 4. So here it is, Jesus standing up when no one else would. It's your courage to stand up when others will not. Are you willing to sing a song of justice in a strange land? Dear white people, it's easy to stand up when everybody else is, dear white people. It's so much harder to stand alone. I was on a video call with a large number of black men this week who have been fighting a long time against injustice. And to a person, if you will, they were not interested in joining any protests. That may seem peculiar to some folk. They had no interest in joining the bandwagon. They were interested instead in planning. They were interested to a person pooling their black resources. They didn't want to depend on white folks for their deliverance, for their freedom. They had been there before. They wanted to build their own. They wanted to get black folks together and create our own economy that supported us, that loved us, that looked out, hello somebody, for us. Not enough white folks believed us. Let me say that again. The reason why is because that they didn't want to protest is because now, before then, before now, not enough white folks believed us. We had to wait until they saw it over and over again on a video with their own eyes. Always still trying to point to something that the black victim must have done wrong for them to provoke the policeman to do what he did. 
So excuse me, excuse some of us, excuse me if some of us black folk don't fully believe you now, dear white people. Black folks have been leading on this issue all this time, crying out for justice all this time, making speech after speech, creating protest after protest, rallying upon rallying. And now you finally got woke. If you're really woke now, then put us in more of your political offices. If you're really woke now, can we have more than two seats in a hundred people in the Senate? I don't count the brother from South Carolina. So there's two. Black folks don't even have one. I don't know. Do we have a governorship? Hmm. I don't think so anymore. Can we have one governorship? Right, we don't have any right now in the entire United States. Did you know that, dear white folk? Not one. I can't think of one. Maybe I'm missing one. If, there one, if there's one, that's not 13% of the population. Come on, somebody. Not one. Did you even know that? Did you even care? about that one week ago. Set us free from your prisons. Dear white people, we are not, if you will, better than you. There is no bad gene in us that you don't have too. Most of you just didn't see us until yesterday. Come to our churches, sit under our leadership, and learn something about our history. Learn something about our Bible. Why? Because our history is your history. Because our Bible is your Bible. And guess what? We know more than you do. Oh, yes. I said it. Why? Why do we know more than you do? Because the victim always knows more about justice than the victimizer and those that never stood up before against injustice. You can't read this book and think you know more than black folk if you haven't been a victim of oppression, of racism. See, in the scripture, these leaders in the house of God, when Jesus got up on the pulpit, if you will, these leaders in the house of God didn't realize Jesus was calling them rejectors of his message. That's one of the reasons at first they weren't. That's one of the reasons why they were so in awe of what he read from the book of Isaiah chapter 61. They didn't imagine he was talking about them being the ones who would also reject the message of God. They thought they were righteous. But when Jesus closed the book of Isaiah, if you will, and told them about themselves, their awe, their amazement turned into anger and rage. They wanted Jesus dead because he stood up alone. He didn't have a crowd with him. 
because he told them that their current religion wasn't working. In fact, he was telling them that what they'd been taught in Sunday school was the reason why they'd been part of the problem all the way up until now. What led Jesus into the desert alone and then out of the desert alone and then into the house of God to stand up on the pulpit alone was the Holy Spirit. That's why my favorite synoptic gospel is Luke. Simply because I believe in the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit. Anybody believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? Look at the scripture. Verse 1 in chapter 4, the chapter we're in. It says, verse 1, Jesus, what does it say? Full of the Holy Spirit. Left Jordan and was led by the what? By the Spirit into the wilderness. Where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Look at verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the what? Of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. Look at verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. He was going on. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Where he goes all the time. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, the what? The spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners he has, and recovery of sight for the blind. He's to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Sometimes where the Holy Spirit sends you is a lonely place into the desert. Then out of the desert, and you're still alone on a pulpit, on a soapbox, where no one is supporting you, and you still have to preach. Oh, help me, Lord. But you are not alone because you're all by yourself, because you have the Holy Spirit empowering you, leading you, and anointing you. Can I get a witness, somebody? It's easy. What are you saying? See, it's easy to speak up when people are listening. Ain't that the truth? It's easy to speak up when people seem eager to do something. That's easy. It's easy to rally troops when troops are already rallying on their own. That's easy. It's easy to be the church when the Roman Empire has just joined the church. It's easy. But once you start trying to dismantle that very empire, that's where the real challenge comes in. Rome wasn't built in a day, and it will certainly not be de deconstructed and reconstructed again in a month or in a year. It, this will be a battle. This won't be easy. This won't be as easy as making a sign and walking down a street. Don't get it twisted. That's important. Don't get it twisted. We have to protest and then we have to plan. 
We can't stop there. That's just the beginning. There will be times, listen to me, though, when you'll have to stand alone and speak out when others are afraid to. It's easy to speak out when everybody's speaking out. That's easy. But there will be times when you'll have to stand alone and speak out when others are afraid to. Dear white people, it's easy to speak to a friendly crowd. That's easy. It's something else to speak to people who might want to take you out after, and I don't mean to dinner. This is what Jesus is doing here. They wanted to take him out back and do more than what you would do out back when you spent summers, some of, some of y'all spent summers in South Carolina and North Carolina and Georgia and Alabama. Come on, somebody. And when somebody said they're going, and the parent told you they want to take you out back, you know what was going to happen because you did done did something wrong. So they wanted to take him out, come on, out, out, out back. And, and, and they did take him out back. Uh, um, so, so look at verse 1 again. Look at what, can we read just for a moment? Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, watch this, it is written, don't read it like you know it, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to them, said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. You see how he put something else out there first before he put himself out there? I'm talking about the devil. You can have all this and then a little if in the back, if you worship me. Verse 8, Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord. I see your trickery. Worship the Lord, your God, and serve him only. Now look at verse 14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the country, the whole countryside. Don't ever write this down. Don't ever lose the Spirit's power because you chose the empire over justice. Don't ever lose the Spirit's power. I can give you everything. Everything is mine to give, the devil said. I can give it, I can give it to whoever I want. I'm going to give it to you if you what? Worship me. Don't ever lose the Spirit's power because you choose the empire over justice. That's our example from Jesus. You see, the devil knew what Jesus was about to do. The devil knew where Jesus' spirit was leading him. He knew that Jesus came to set the oppressed free because the devil was involved in oppressing people. So he offered him, the devil did, the very thing that stood against God, and that was the devil himself. But he front-loaded it. 
He front-loaded his offering of himself with authority and splendor for Jesus. In other words, he said, you get authority and splendor, all of this, if you worship me. That's like a bad infomercial, right? You can have all of this if you pay for this for the rest of your life. Right? He front-loaded his offer of splendor and authority with, right? He front-loaded it with authority, with power and splendor, with beauty. When the world offers you power, authority, turn it down for the power of the Spirit. Turn it down for the anointing of the Spirit of God on your mission in life. When the world offers you beauty, offers you this splendor, turn it down for the beauty of the presence of the Lord God in your life. The spirit of the living God present inside you and around you and leading you and walking beside you. If you've marched, don't turn back now. If you were let out into the streets, stay out in the streets and fight for the people in the streets. Fight for brothers and sisters with a foot or knee on their neck. You know what we used to say? Oh, we still say it. Come on, black people. Dear white people. We used to say, the man's got his foot on my neck. How you doing, bro? Yeah, I'm all right, man. Man's got his foot. On my neck, but I'm all right. I'm all right, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm doing it. You know, I'm, I'm making it do what it do. You know, I'm whatever, right? That was common talk, still is, that every black man or woman and woman understood what you meant when you said it. Tell me I'm lying, black people. Regardless of how rich or poor you are, how you doing? He's got his foot on my neck, but... You, you understood it because it was so common. You understood it because you could relate to it uh, in some form or fashion. And you knew folk, uh, pretty much everybody who at some point and sometime in their life and continue in their life having the, foot, the man's foot on their neck. You understood it because it was so common, so ordinary. It's a day-to-day -day thing. It's a day-to-day -day life for us. So excuse me if you don't see me shed any tears this past week. It's not because I'm not crying. It's because I'm always crying. It's not because I'm not distraught. It's because I'm always distraught in some form or fashion. It's because I'm always living in that despair. It's because we're always troubled. We're always wrestling with it. We're always tired. We're always struggling to keep our head up. We're always that way. The problem, white people, is some of you have never really looked into the black person's face in America before because if you did you would have seen the tears rolling down our face you would have seen the fresh pain of 400 years emanating from our black facial structures you would have been struck by the perplexity of the struggle and yet the determination in our voice 
And you would have asked us before. If you cared before, you would have asked. You would have exhorted us. What can we do to help you? And now you want to help. Excuse me if I'm not excited about that. Look at me. Look at us. Do you see us now? You're new to this. That's why I'm calling you right now to be true to this. Dear white people. Don't punk out after November 3rd. Don't punk out after November 3rd. Discipleship of Jesus. Disciples of Jesus don't Americanize justice. Oh, what you talking about, Pastor? Let me say that again. You can, that's not going to be up there. You can write that down. I should have put that up there. Disciples of Jesus don't Americanize justice. Disciples of Jesus make justice biblical. Why? Because biblical justice is epic. American justice is fleeting. Because biblical justice is transformative. American justice is temporal. Biblical justice is systemic. It's all over the place when you do it. If you're trying and you're seeking to do it. American justice is spotty at best. And the goal of biblical justice is not just us who are transformed. It's society. That's the goal. So then biblical justice is personal, it's corporate, it's community, it's city, it's state, it's country, it's world. Don't just do your part. Preach and model and teach your part to others who are not a part of your friendly fellow protesters. Be like Jesus and stand up on a solitary soapbox in an unsacred place with unsavory people. Don't just be new to this, be true to this. 16. He went to Nazareth, verse 16, where he had been what? Brought up. He was brought up there. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. So he was regular there. Come on. He was a regular. He stood up to read. He had been there a number of times before, many times. He was a regular. Jesus entered a place where people knew his name. Well, at least they knew his daddy's name. Because when he finished reading Isaiah 61, they said in verse 22, isn't this Joseph's boy? Look at verse 22, the first part of it. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked partly because they were probably proud of him because they were amazed. 
So partly they were amazed because they were proud of him. Look at that boy. He done grown up. Some of us haven't grown up. And the way we grow up is by standing up like Jesus did all alone and just with the Spirit of God. This should be dear white Christians. The way we go from being our parents' child to being a disciple of Jesus is by standing up amongst familiar faces in the places where people know you and let them see that they don't really know you anymore. That's what Jesus did. Isn't this Joseph's son? You've grown up as a disciple. You've matured as a Christian. My white brother, pastor in Christ, I'm talking to you now. Let your congregation see that you're no longer worried about upsetting some of them in your congregation and possibly losing your job because the good news of justice that Jesus shares here is more important than your congregation wanted to take you out back. Write this down. Just because you know they won't receive Jesus' message of justice doesn't mean you shouldn't preach it. Dear my white brother, pastor, friend, just because you know they won't receive Jesus' message of justice doesn't mean you shouldn't preach it. I know too many pastors, white friends of mine, who are scared to preach the whole gospel because they don't want to lose their job. A whole bunch. Verse 28. Oh, we getting real. We done got real. Verse 28, all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. So he began to talk about them. That with Elijah, uh, with Elijah and Elisha, they um, were not sent to everybody, because everybody wouldn't receive the message. They only went to one person here and this other person there. They went to this town and not to that city. And they knew that Jesus was talking about them. So and then they got really upset. So they were in awe. Isn't this Joseph's boy? And then he started talking about them. I, I probably need to read it, so I want to make sure you get it. Um, verse 23, Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb. After they said, isn't this Joseph's son? Verse 23, they said, Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Like, prove it, because you're just Joseph's son. Show us that you actually can do miracles, that you can actually change lives. Come on. Verse 24, truly I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut from three and a half, for three and a half years and there were, was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. They wouldn't receive. They wouldn't have received. Come on, the message. But a widow, right, in Zarephath, in the region of Sidon, 
And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet. Yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman, the Syrian. Then here it is, verse 20, all the people in the synagogue now were what? Furious when they heard this. They, the scripture, wow, that's powerful. Oh, you're talking about us. What we're not doing, we're not going to receive the message. We're going to reject the message. Now we're mad at you. We're so furious. Verse 29, they got up and drove him out of the town. So they got him. They drove him out. They didn't say, leave, leave, leave. Apparently, they were pushing him out, right? How you drive somebody out? And took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But my Jesus... He walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Come on, somebody. They wanted to get rid of Jesus because he told them they would not receive. He told them they would not receive his message, his great mission. Expect your people not to receive your message. Dear white fellow brother, Christian pastor, expect your people not to receive the mission of Jesus. I believe you'll be able to live with it if they do not. I believe, I'm, I believe in the prophetic word. Anybody believe that the word is prophetic? It's for now. Even when you understand it back then, it's for now. I believe God will give you a way to escape them. If they don't, the Father will give you a way to move out, move on from them like he did with Jesus. See, Jesus walked right out of that situation. Write this down. You have to be good with moving on when your own people don't want to hear the justice message of Jesus from you. You have to be, dear white people, you have to be good with moving on when your own people don't want to hear the justice message of Jesus from you. This kind of rejection is a sign of true discipleship. Because you'll be acting like Jesus. I'll say it again. You have to be good with moving on when your own people don't want to hear the justice message of Jesus from you. Let me say something else that you can write down. I know there's three in a row. You've got to be willing to preach the unpopular mission of Jesus in familiar places. You've got to be willing to preach the unpopular mission of Jesus in familiar places, just like Jesus. And you've got to be willing to be rejected. You've got to be willing to be hated and despised. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrow, acquainted with grief. I think someone was talking about Jesus. No, I know someone was talking about Jesus in the, in the text. Write this down. You've got to be willing to be despised and rejected by familiar people. You've got to be willing, I'm done, to be despised and rejected by familiar people. Dear white people. Dear white Christians. Amen. Amen. Can you stand to your feet?
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And amen. Don't ever be afraid to preach the gospel, the good news. Not just the great commission, but the great mission. For what is the great commission without the great mission? I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus. I'm going to make disciples of all nations. Baptizing folk, making sure folk get baptized. And I'm going to spread the good news of Jesus. But I'm not going to help anybody in need. And I'm not going to fight for justice. The Spirit of the Lord. The great mission is the great ministry. Let me say that again. The great mission is the great ministry of the Big C Church. The great mission is the great ministry of the whole church. How do I do ministry without following the mission of Jesus? How do I do great ministry without following the great mission of Jesus? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to recover sight for the blind, to release those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We are called to set the captives free, set the prisoner free. Those are not metaphorical things. Those are literal things. We need to be literal in our ministry. Anybody hearing me today? Literal. Do the work. It might not get you popularity, but it'll get you a great reward in heaven. Hallelujah and amen. We invite you to know this, Jesus. You know what? There's so many people who may not know that justice is a centerpiece of mission and purpose, ministry in the Bible. There's so many folk out there, mostly white evangelicals, who have co-opted the message of Jesus and they've turned it into abortion, anti-abortionism, and they've turned it into a fight against everyone in LGBTQ. And they have taken that by doing that. Not only are they folk have focused on that, they focus on that so that you wouldn't, even inadvertently, even uh, because of evil and hatred that has been promulgated through the preaching of the word in many churches, they've moved us away from even looking at the Bible or moved many people away who would otherwise have looked at the Bible with an eye toward justice and mercy and have looked toward it to things that are social and political agendas that people have created 